screen off. Yeah, now. don't make it that big. There awesome. we go. All right, folks. Uh, hope everybody's doing well today. Joe, we're live, um, and we have a guest. Uh, awesome. Carlos from Hello. the Nerd Labs, who is doing I love it. extreme level nerd shit that I love, man. Uh, I've done. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've done a, a couple of, uh, I've done a call with him and then we've, um, I own a, a, a few NFTs in these projects he's doing and uh, I'm going to encourage everyone to uh, go check them out when we're done, but just some really cool um, intersections of AI and NFTs and on-chain stuff and um, a little bit of Leinster in there. Um, and he's going to start off though. First, we're going to have him tell us a little bit about himself. But then he's going to uh, get into a project that is um, Bitcoin related uh, that he also uh, is a part of. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Ooh. But first, Carlos, uh, introduce yourself. Hey. Tell us a little bit of your background, how you ended up um, uh, doing this big brain stuff. And uh, then we'll jump into the projects. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I'm Carlos. I'm from Ecuador. Um, I don't know if you know where that is, but... Uh, I, my background is that I'm a huge nerd and I've always been a huge nerd, but I then went and studied medicine and so I became a medical nerd and I wanted to sort of like work in that intersection of medicine and technology, but I figured there were some like huge gaps that needed to change for things to like improve meaningfully. And I had like, I was going to go into like AI for medicine. Right. But I felt like. A couple of things, like mainly like for tech, you only could work through like corporate means and stuff like that. So I really didn't like that idea. And um, for data, I felt everything was super siloed. And I started to like research into like decentralized platforms for healthcare and stuff like that. And suddenly like fell into Ethereum um, by coincidence, like looking at particles. And that led me into like a rabbit hole. I've always been like a super curious person. So I like went and like, like learned what's an ERC 20 and then like what's a liquidity pool. And then my brain goes like, whoa, you can do all sorts of things with these. And like, I really liked the fact that no one had, I didn't have to be invited and no one has to be invited to this stuff because I really hate invite only places. Right. Um, and and like especially when you're like somewhere in in that's not like the united states or like the first world you feel like you have very little agency to do to like have an impact and um doing stuff on the blockchain first connect, connected me to people all over the world including you uh, but also let me like make things that i felt had like a meaningful like hap like happen Right. right, right. Actually see it work and happen and, and no, you didn't have to ask anybody for permission to build it. Right, right. And it's like, okay, now what's next and what can I do with my own means? And and then sort of like that started like me to go into telegrams and stuff like that for, for projects. This was like in early 2020 maybe. Um, and then every, every project had their telegram and there were like lots of people in them we had this issue where you can talk about other things and I'm, I've always been an intersection guy. Like I've always, when I see something, I start thinking of how could you mix that with something else? Right. So, so with all these projects, I was like super excited. I just learned about like, uh, say Uniswap and then you go to the Avid protocol and they're like, 
whoa, these two things go really well together. But when they're promoting their stuff, you, they don't want you to talk about other projects, right? So I'm like, screw this noise. I'm going to make my own chat. It's the nerd chat, and it's for nerd stuff only. Nice. <laughs> so we're like, like, I just want a place to talk, really. And then, like, by then, like, a few people sort of like my ideas and the way I sort of, like, got through it. So I start like, like it was just a bunch of online friends, right? And right. we were like, go look at new projects. And the things that we liked usually had some meaning to them. So they went, they did really well. So like we started to like learn the ecosystem, like as a group, because that's the other insight that I have that I feel like this space moves so fast that one person cannot just comprehend the whole thing. Like, sure. it's impossible. Like, this whole ordinal thing is, I mean, I don't have the brain power to just, like, learn that. And now it's coming to Ethereum and people are, like, grappling with the idea. And if you're, like, one guy thinking, like, oh, I'm going to get them all, it's like, you're not. And and that's why, like, open source, like, being radically open source is important, too. Because, like, what's good for me if I have, like, 10 projects in my, like, private GitHub if I'm not able to like handle all of them, right? Right, absolutely. And um, these couple with like I don't know if you've read the Singularity book, like the the Ray Kurzweil book. Yep. <clears throat> so it's like we have to be super cognizant that that's like actively happening, right? Right. <laughs> and and we're like in the, the midst of it. Yeah, like we're like smack in the middle of it, and this is something that I've been thinking like for ten years, maybe, and I'm like. 10 years ago, you could sort of like think we weren't there yet, but right now we are in the midst of it, right? Yep. Like now that ChatGPT is making repos and you have like agents like improving shit, like it's like, I mean, we're in the elbow. So it's like my solution to that is to try to collectivize and find like collective strategies where you can actually own these things. Like with what we're going to talk later about like collective brains and stuff like that. I think that's the answer to like either that or being left behind. Right. Yeah. No, I love that concept of collective brain power and collective knowledge real quick. Uh, Shizzy says anyone else hearing the fireworks, Shizzy, he's, he's got birds. Yeah. There's birds. <laughs> he's got Sorry. birds. No, it's all right. He just thought it was fireworks. Cracks me up. I, I might as actually... well said it's a bird. <laughs> it's a bird. I can make it better. That's all right. Yeah. I'll actually, th this is a very good place to come bird watching. There's some really crazy, crazy birds around here. Yeah, for anybody that missed it, he's in uh, Ecuador. Um, yeah. Um, I've heard it's beautiful there. Uh, it I, is. I have not been, but I've heard it's beautiful. So, all right. So let's do this, man. Let's um, let's first dive into the um, the project uh, Strudel. Right. And uh, talk a little bit about like that. I'm sharing your screen. And um, this is a project you, I, I think you said you, you guys took, a, a group of you took over. Yeah, I mean, this sort of like uh, fits right into where we were at the story. Sort of like these groups grew, this group grew into like uh, several hundred people. And by then I was doing like uh, interviews with different projects that I liked. And Strudel was one project that I really thought was different from the rest. And I was really excited about promoting, right? So we, right. Were, we, got, we got really close with the developers. Like back then, their interface was like, very um they were very tech focused and it was hard to explain what the 
like the real value proposition was at that point yep. and still is basically still the main <laughs> issue of the project but we we tried to do it and we like attempted it um with a marketing strategy and we actually back then in the bull market we got a lot of purchase and it went really well for a while but then like if you want to build something long term you sort of like have to solve for long-term liquidity incentives and like a lot of really, really complex things. Yep. So we've been working on it since then. But the point is that at some point, uh, the main developers got hired by Sushi and they were like, they, they put up a proposal saying, look, we're getting hired by this super profitable thing. This is still early. So we're going to just like go. And I was like, what if we propose to like take over as nerd, like as nerd out, right? Right. Um, so, so you did. So, so we did. And everyone voted yes. And we got it. And then we got the project like go to like a lot of money. Right. Like we, we were really successful with it. And, and then it crashed. And then we, we've been using it as like sort of like a platform for DeFi experiments because. Like the core of it, I think is very, very important. Like, why don't you um, quickly explain to us the concept behind it, the original concept, and then kind of what you're doing with it? Right. So, this is a one way Bitcoin bridge uh, for Bitcoin to Ethereum. And, and the reason for that, for it being one way, is that A, it's the simplest bridge possible, and B, it removes the need for any sort of collateral on the bridge. Right. So by doing that, you solve a very big problem with Bitcoin bridges, which is capital efficiency, because you know that you can never delete risk, right? right? You can always like move risk around. Right. So like if you look at Wrapped Bitcoin, for example, they have basically a trusted setup where it's like, okay, these institutions are good and, and we're going to take care of it. And these people are accredited and they can burn and redeem. Right. Right. And that's a, that's an okay system. Like a stop. I'm not saying they're going to steal the Bitcoins. Right. But what I am saying is that one of the biggest minters and burners was three AC. Right. And it's like they are capturing that arbitrage for themselves. And like, that's what they're doing. They're cornering the market. Right. So it's like, okay, I mean, you can do that, but you're never going to bridge like 60% of all the Bitcoins because people are not like, that's, it goes against the whole purpose of Bitcoin, like giving the Bitcoins to a custodian. Right. So, so go ahead. So real quickly, but let's walk through kind of what it does first, and then we can kind of get into the, the philosophy. What, right. So the idea is, is that you are burning a Bitcoin on one side and you're getting a, a, a raft version of that on yeah. the other? Yeah. And the way it works is that we're using the up return codes. And this is not much different than ordinals, right? You're basically saying these septoshis are set for this address on Ethereum, this wallet address. Right. So right. that means that it's basically settled that those Bitcoins aren't going to move on chain ever again. Right. So you can then on the, on the Ethereum side, you're basically reading the whole Bitcoin chain and putting the headers on the Ethereum chain. And when you see a Bitcoin transaction that co contains uh, a strudel transaction, let's call it, 
then the contract can mint the equivalent amount of strudel bitcoins. So there is no need for anyone to verify other than the chain of Bitcoin being put on the by the relayer. And the right. relayer is working automatically uh, and you can verify the entire chain. So uh, this process basically ensures that the Bitcoins that are bridged are like whatever is put in the bridge or whatever Bitcoins are in the, in, in the system, they are never going to move again on the Bitcoin chain. So if, if you try to account for all the Bitcoins in existence, you have to address those Bitcoins and you have to determine whether they're lost or they are on Ethereum. Right, right. And so the idea of this is, is you wanted to have a true representation of an original Bitcoin on the Ethereum blockchain, as opposed to kind of the way it's done now um, with other solutions that'll that'll bridge it across. <clears throat> and the interesting thing is, is because of the because of the crash, um, the project kind of lost users and lost value. Um, and so, what's interesting is right now the token Strudel, which is actually represented or you know represents a Bitcoin, is actually trading below Bitcoin. So yeah. theoretically, as you guys work to integrate this project into other uses or other projects or whatever people could be buying up, you know, um, Bitcoin right. valued tokens um, that are cheaper than actual Bitcoin. Yeah. And it's not any different than grayscale Bitcoin for that matter. Right. Grayscale right. Bitcoin right now is 90% off its spec. I would say that I did a better job than them. <laughs> like That's mine's great. 50% off. That's great. That's great. <laughs> um, and so what, so um, real quickly, I want to tell folks that, um, the the current website is not live so if you go searching um you have to go it, to strudelfinance.io that's the right website strudelfinance.io because there is a um someone took over an old domain for it and so just be careful um yeah uh, shizzy says oh wow this sounds cool burning btc and putting it in eth forever yeah i mean that's essentially the model right there um, yeah we have uh, 23 shizzy. yeah and shizzy's big into ordinals and inscriptions and, and, and the like so he's uh, anything kind of Bitcoin related that that does this kind of stuff, he's really interested in right yeah. now. So I would be interested in like there's a lot of things I want to explore with this tech because in theory you could inscribe the satoshis that have been burned in this bridge. Um, I just don't know enough about ordinals. Oh, so you're thinking that theoretically you could have a um, uh, uh, an ordinal or an inscription on the other side that's representative of the one you burned. Yeah, not only one, but like a lot of them, because like you map one ordinal for one Satoshi. That's right, right. So you'd have you'd like have millions, the full, the millions full, of Satoshis. Yeah, the full Satoshis for, for each Bitcoin. That's yeah, that's that's really interesting. Might be really expensive, but it's really interesting. Yeah, I mean I have no clue how, how it actually works. So Yeah, that's very cool. And and so your goal is to kind of take this thing and then start integrating it, building products around it, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I mean, like the whole premise of it is that, okay, there's no counterparty risk, but there's market risk. And the market risk is the market isn't valuing your thing at the proper price, yeah. which is what we're living in right now. Um, so basically, you have to think about incentives. So it's like supply and demand, right? right. If there's enough supply, uh, then if, if there is enough demand, then your supply is going to meet the peg and then it's going to start inflating because it's in, like bringing in more Bitcoins until the demand is met. And you have to reach this equilibrium where supply and demand are nearly equal so that you always have Bitcoins or you're always near the peg, right? 
Right. But then you do things like, for example, we did, I mean, we did a lot of things. We started by doing like uh, structured products with balancer pools. Oh, so wow. for example, a thesis I had is, okay, I want to have a balancer pool that has both NFT fractions and Bitcoin. So I made like a balancer pool with different weights. Oh, wow. And it actually performed really well, like for compared to the rest of the market. Because if, if Bitcoin went down, then it would like selling, buy more of the NFTs. And where, when the NFTs went up, they would buy more Bitcoin. Uh, so it, it actually performed pretty well. Um, and then the thing about that is that basically the more liquidity you have in those products, then the closer you are to the peg because it's just a function of how much liquidity there is in the system. Right, right. Um, and then other things with it were like playing with the incentive gauges. Um, like this is the, the Strudel index. Oh, this is going to somewhere right now. Um, so this is Strudel index. This is the Strudel LPs then with VVTC, ETH, and it's all about finding the right mix of liquidity. Right. Because, so you have actually three tokens, right? You have the Ethereum, you have Bitcoin, and you have the Strudel token. Right. Because a big pool is between Strudel and Bitcoin. But the catch is that they're all paired with Ethereum, right? So basically, if Ethereum outperforms Bitcoin, I'm closing into the peg automatically mm. because it's just an Ethereum like Bitcoin bearing. Right. So, so, and the other thing is that if people would be farming Strudel Bitcoin, like farming the Strudel farm and getting Strudels, they could be buying Strudel Bitcoin to help support the, the price. And that would like make it go out of the market's increasement and reduce the supply. So it, it would, there's a lot of levers you can pull. That's, that's very cool. And then we did, cool. yeah. And then we did, um, so then Olympus came out and we we're like, oh, let's do Olympus. And we did. And we did the whole Olympus thing. And this actually was the most successful thing that I tried, probably, because this had the protocol purchase the tokens for itself. Oh, okay. So this actually created a thing where if you go to Etherscan, uh, more than half of the VTCs are in Phantom. Wow. Uh, because of that, because it, they're owned by by the protocol. Nice. So, so that that's basically a lot of, that has a lot to do with the current price. So look at this. These are all on the Phantom Bridge, twelve, and they're protocol owned. And it's a, like an infinite value pro because someone suddenly is going to realize, oh, this protocol owns like so many Bitcoins that are worth like a million apiece. Like, what's the what's the deal here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And is that still running that project? Yeah, it is. Uh, Orkin, Orkin got a bit. I, we need to look. There's a lot of things that need to be sort of like dusted off on that. Some bugs need to be fixed. And like, they're like an old car at this point that like works, but barely. <laughs> But it works. It's great. Like it doesn't require me you trusting me. That's the point. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Uh, and this, this is sort of, sort of when I started like getting into development myself. Um, this is my first like full stack build, which is a fork of the Ichi protocol, which is a stablecoin issuer. So this thing can actually 
uh, well, the graph. Look, that that's the that's the thing with this these things. If you stop maintaining them for a while, the graph <laughs> the graph gets taken down. So this used to see something nice, but the whole point is that I did a stable coin that would meet you like a dollar of of Kushki for a dollar of collateral. But the catch is that it was 20% USDC, if I remember correctly, and it oracled Strudel Bitcoin to the like Bitcoin Oracle. So they would overpay you for your Strudel Bitcoin like market price. So there was like uh-huh. a huge arbitrage. And and this actually worked because people would buy a bunch of Strudel Bitcoin, mint a bunch of tokens, and then bury them for the USDC. <laughs> And, and, and the thing is that everyone is sort of like, okay with it because like everyone who, who has the dollars still has like the backing, but it's still Bitcoin backed. So right now it's in profit if we pay. Ah, okay. All right, cool. So you so, could actually, yeah, you could actually have, if you have those, you could actually, um, be up. Yeah. And, and for example, if. If Curve liked this stuff and wanted to make a gouge for for this stable coin and there was like a landing platform over there for this and there was demand for this, like like these are tools that can easily be integrated. Yeah. These yeah, are just cool. like proof of concepts. It's great. Let's dive into Universe if you could. Yeah, let's go. All right. So yeah, I mean, after we started making stuff, sort of the market crash, so we try to find something else to do. Uh, and I, I'm actually going to show you like our prequel to AA Universe. This is Regions. So this is back when, back before Midjourney even existed. This is before people were using diffusion models like actively and and, and they were cool. Like So you people, mean um, just for people that may not be as familiar on the on the AI side of things that you're talking about the engines now, the LLMs now that that I mean the models now that we're utilizing to generate images, mid-journey and and stable diffusion and 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 those kinds of folks. You guys built this thing before that became yeah. the thing. Yeah, yeah, basically Dali came to the scene, I think, late last year. Yeah. And this this is at least a year prior to that. Nice. So um so regions actually is a diffusion model I trained from scratch. I have pictures somewhere, but I had like eight computers with um, GPUs together wired, like running different models to transform these things. And my my goal was to make like a like a switchboard where you could like put in a board ape, and you would get a cool cat. Huh. And you would put in a cool cat, and you would get a board ape. So, for example, this one <laughs> this one in the bottom is actually a cool cat. Right picture, and it came out like this. The, that That's one, crazy. That model worked really well. These ones. So people crane. that already owned one could end up with another one that. Right, right. Line. And the idea similar. was to offer it as a service where you would like put in your cool cat and have like a boarded version of it. That's cool. I yeah. like that. So like um, there were like different models and different things, um, and my idea was to sort of like create a community around it to like train these things, and it would eventually turn into Meet Journey. Like if right. people sort of like got got it, but people saw this and we're we're like this stuff's ugly. <laughs> Some of them didn't work right, right? Yeah, I mean yeah. this shit's ugly, and I'm like they're called regions, but they didn't get it. 
And and then I mean that's fine, right? It's not it's not the audience's fault. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I mean we did that, and then but then after when um, when Mid Journey came out, I was like, all right, we're gonna try again. And with this one, my idea was uh, about this a structured prompt. So it's called the Alliance of the Infinite Universe. We even made a trailer and stuff. Uh, but the point of this one on the nerdy side is that uh, we wanted to make uh, like a way to create a large scale of images, but maintain a structured like identity to the collection. Right. right. And have them all be unique, like have the best of both worlds, like have the attributes from an NFT collection, but have more expressibility from the AI model. Right. So I'm right. like, okay, how do we do it? And I came like, my idea was this is like, I like the term synthography. Have you ever heard of it? No. So like, like you have photography where you take pictures. Synthography right. is a process of generating an image with okay. AI. So we called it, uh, so it's, um, uh, so our technique for, for this is a structure prompt. So it's a synthographic technique. Um, so and, everybody knows a, a structured prompt is where you pre you pre, um, fill, um, the, the prompt for a, a particular use case, right? So that you're guiding it in advance um, right. of, of what it's going to get. Yeah, and in this case, we're designing more than pre-fill is more like designing a prompt for a specific thing. Right. And and my prompt was basically a bunch of variables, right? So, right. for example, the first variable is a type. The second is the set of attributes. Then you have a modifier, then the faction, and the alignment. Right. So you only have a set of options on each variable to narrow it down and keep it structured, but you have enough variations that you can loop through them and create like a set. Right. So, and this is kind and, of a takeoff on the NFT collections like uh, Dope Wars and, and those kinds of things that were, that were creating these NFTs that had list of attributes and then hoped that people would build things around it. What you said was, okay, what we're gonna do is we're gonna create these pre-engineered prompts that have these attributes so that we'll be creating the images that will be the NFTs. And then we'll talk about it in a minute, their role in the, in the universe. Right. Yeah. And, and that's sort of the, the, the idea and, and it, it, it uses the same concept, like that made 10,000 NFT collections popular because that, like, there's a lot of like meat behind why punks, like sort of surf set the standard right. to have a collection that's both like large scale and express expressible and representative of the individual, but also that makes you part of a collective. Right. Which is right. for me, the, the most interesting part of these things, right. To make you be part of this team. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I wanted to sort of capture the same thing. And if you look at other AI, it, like, uh, based things, you sort of see that usually they don't put the prompt as the metadata. So usually you just get the image and maybe some text around it, but they don't have any attributes. So they don't have any way to setting like specific attributes to the thing 
unless it's with the prompt data because they don't have any control over what comes out. So, um, so in doing that, we, we set like different uh, attributes and who had, for example, you could, you can either be a captain or a, or a God, right? Just two options there. Right. Then this part, you can actually have anything going on. You can have like lots of things, emojis, just simple names, mix of things. This is like the wild card part. Right. Uh, but also there's a couple of things that were interesting that in the set, we noticed that there were specific attributes that, that were like the AI had a very concrete idea of what that was. Right. For, for example, if you tell it like Captain Cyborg superhero, the AI goes like, I got it. I got it for you. Right. And, and if you're like Captain Mummy superhero, AI is like, there you go. And if you go like, and then you realize that, and then you can mix them together. If you have two very clear concepts, you go Captain Cyborg Mommy Superhero, and the AI goes like, sure, you got it. Nice. So we started, and, and the thing is that it was also like a multiplayer effort because like I realized I couldn't do it by myself, like all these prompts. So I like told a, a bunch of friends to come with me. And like, I ended up doing like 5,000 of them. But my <laughs> other friend did like five, or I mean, I think I did four, not everybody did four, 4,000 and then the rest did like was a long tail after that. But the cool thing was like sort of seeing what the other guy was prompting and like that opening like uh, a bunch of ideas for you. And then so suddenly someone like realized something really cool. And then we were all like trying to to do different things with it. And then like we put it put on to put them all together, put the traits in the metadata and shipped. Right. Right. Did you actually start off with just the characters or did you already have the concept of the universe that, that you're going to show us now? Um, back then it was just like, I mean, I sort of had this, like, because back then I was thinking, okay, if we did captains, we could do like the planet of your traits. Right. So I had this idea of like creating something that would, uh, and this was, actually before ChatGPT came out. So like text-based things were like still not there. Right. So we were like, I was in this space of thinking, okay, let's let's try bring like other assets you have and make ships, make locations, make planets, quests, whatever. Uh, but then when ChatGPT came out, it suddenly became clearer that the like the valuable thing was the prompt like not the picture that came out of it, but the problem that wasn't coded. Right. And also then like me journey started just to getting better and better. Right. Right. Because like our outputs were like good. I mean, there were, there was some, were some that were really, really good, but on average they were like, they were good. Like it was a big step up from the previous one. Right. Where there right. was like some good ones, but most of them were like, not, not okay. Right. Uh, but they still weren't impressive, right? And then someone showed me like the newer mid-journey versions and I'm like, hey, what if we just grab all the metadata from the NFT and try that? And because mid-journey came out with a couple of other things, which is like they can describe an image. So you can like put an image and they can describe in text the image. And right. they, can, um, they can do image to image. So you can right. use... So you, so you can do like a bunch of extracting by like 
giving it the base image, getting the text, then you give it the base images like the template and then the text and the metadata. So you get like a very complex prompt. Right. But it captures like the entire look of the superhero. Like you always right. can tell it's the same guy. It's from the origin. So the idea is, is that be, so image to image uh, in AI, in like stable diffusion or whatever, mid journey, it allows, it allows you to have a base image and then do variations on that, right? And so yeah. what you realized was that when you guys could take these base images you created, you could then feed them characteristics from the metadata and the, and the characteristics that you were defining and get variations on that core image so that it was a, an evolution of that character um, based on changes that had happened to them or, 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 or getting that data into it. And so you could see that you could evolve the characters, right? I, I would assume right. that's kind of when you realized, oh, wait, these are characters, right? And, and now we have something we can take a little further. Yeah, and at that same time, we were experimenting with experimenting a lot with prompt uh, on text stuff and, and the idea of, for example, we did some Dungeon Master chat GPT exercises where you can make it like be a really, really good DM. Like right. really good. I like to be a DM, but ChatGPT is way better than me at DMing. Like right. it's way more descriptive, so it's way more emotional, a lot of things. For everybody that doesn't know, DM is a dungeon master, and those are the people in a group of people playing the game Dungeons and Dragons. That's the person that actually sets the storyline, tells you where what happens as a player when you get to a particular area. Um, things like characters you encounter, storylines, uh, what happens if you get attacked, et cetera, et cetera. And so what he's saying is, is that with ChatGPT, they were actually realizing that ChatGPT could actually create the storyline and a universe and, and the way you interact um, for you um, and do a better job than somebody who's a, a dungeon master. So now yeah. you have these two pieces. You have ChatGPT able to create fantastic storylines and, 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 and adventures for people that are playing a game. And at the same time, you've got these characters that can use mid-journey to actually evolve from one character to another. And then you put those two things together and you and get, you get, you get this. this. <laughs> you get this thing. And this is uh, universe.io uh, is the website. Um, and this to me is pretty mind boggling. So this is essentially a platform with a bigger vision uh, of stuff he's building into this, but essentially it is a way for you to take the identities that you've created and have a storyline around them. And you've got now chat GPT and mid journey um, evolving the experience for you as a user who bought the original NFT. So why don't you go ahead and show people a little bit of the interaction that you can do uh, yeah, in there. Sure. Um, so right now, we're in, in like my my things need a bit of fixing all the time because this space is moving so fast that all the APIs break. Right. But basically, the idea is that if you have ever used Meet Journey before, you know you have to go to Discord and use a Meet Journey bot, type in a command, pasting stuff. It's very very not friendly, right? 
Right. So what I wanted is to create an interface where you sort of got distracted while stuff is happening around you, right? So in right. the background, everything is being built, the prompt is being created, and you only have to select which one you want to use, and it all works. So I made like a spaceship. Um, basically, this is a super step up. This is also like chat, like this is what happens when you are chat GPT enabled coding. Like the other front ends you saw were before chat GPT, and this is what you can do <laughs> with chat GPT. Like right. it's it's just crazy, right? So um, this one, you first started up, it's a bit loud. And this one on the back end, uh, is is sending the first chat GPT prompt and failing right now, but regardless, it's sending the first prompt and it's telling chat GPT who you are. So it's telling you, for example, uh, Hey, chat GPT, you are Cray, Captain Cray, cyber necromancer, super vigilant, and you're sending a transmission to Alliance of the infinite universe, asking for help in your mission. Right. right? And then, um, Actually, I forgot. At first, it doesn't even tell you that. I just ask it to give me more information about the captain because first right. it's a scanner. Right. So I have these attributes on the NFT and I have these other attributes that I generate with ChatGPT, which are like, uh, what's the equipment? What's the health status? What's, uh, what, where's he at? Uh, what's it? Give me a fun fact about the superhero. So you get all that. Uh, actually, there's a, I'll, I'll show you a video of it because there's a video uh, for us to see if you want to later. Sure. But uh, but then you get all that back and and then that's the first prompt. And then you you have this module here, which is your like mid journey bit. So you can toggle on and off which parts of the prompt you want to use. So the prompt that we've been talking about is right here. So you have, you have the different elements. Right. And and the ones that you are going to generate also appear here as they are generated. So you can keep building and building your prompt. And then a cool part of it too, is that if you don't want to use like any of it, you can also use this like as your own mid journey front end for like normal stuff. Right. So you could tell it anything and have it generate something. Right. Right. Instead of going to Discord or whatever. So like when it works, I, I, I usually use this all the time, like instead of going to the thing. So the and, idea is, is your mm -hmm. NFT that's up there in the image, um, that that you can feed more prompts to it from the from the dashboard there and have that character evolve, right? And along with that evolution of the image is the evolution of the storyline. Yeah, and on and on the right side here you have the the ChatGPT uh, model. Uh, right. So all that information is being passed to this uh, model here. So you can actually ask the, the uh, this is something very interesting that it's actually very impactful where I put in a bunch of like a, an array of data to the thing, right? As metadata. Right. And the thing is that if you ask the thing when it's working, like what's the metadata, it will give you back the array. Right. right. But this is not something that I programmed, right? I didn't <laughs> expect that to happen. Nice. And, and this is this is a lot of this is very important because like with ChatGPT you can actually get emergent features. Right. And it's amazing. And you, you actually have to be aware of that because like these are like the best features actually. 
<laughs> no, it's great. It, actually, um, um, uh, my partner Chuck and I were uh, experimenting with our platform the other day um, with ChatGPT, and it um, it it did something similar. It, it took um, the the prompt engineering that we did and created perfect modules for the system that it had never interacted with, and um, so it it kind of blew us away that it could do that. The thing that so. So just to make sure everybody understands, I want to make sure everybody kind of conceptually gets this. And and for those of you listening on the podcast, that's where most of our audience is. I, I really want to encourage you to go to the YouTube video. It'll be in the show notes um, of the show because I want you to see what we're talking about here because it's a really immersive thing. But the most powerful component of, well, I shouldn't say the most powerful component. One of the important components of this is that what you're seeing here is an evolving user interface um, that is powered by and altered by the human being, by one um, AI engine for images and another AI engine that can generate the story. And so essentially the human and two um, AI engines are creating an immersive experience for the user based on an NFT that they minted that was also generated by AI. Yeah. So to me, this is not, this is not just a, Hey, let's experiment and play with this. This to me is something that's incredibly powerful from the perspective of user compute experiences in the future, because you and I've talked about this and I know you're, you're kind of playing around with some things um, uh, with this as well, is that I could see this being, the interface to a telegram community or right. the interface to something like the lens protocol, a social network, right? Where I can interact with people as the real me, maybe there's some chat integration or, or threaded um, uh, forum navigation, whatever. But at the same time, I can be the captain and right. I can play a game with people or I can have a Dungeons and Dragons um, interface for this or so so things like Bored Apes and other NFT collections could actually create immersive worlds that are AI and human generated um, and have them go all kinds of places where there's yeah. maybe a map of the world and the, and, and the background of the world changes and your interactions change. So to me, this is um, the first time you showed me this, I was thoroughly blown away because I think the potential for this platform is just gigantic, like just amazing. So uh, I'm really hoping you're going to, you're going to keep this going because I think this as a tool for people that want to create community, people that want to create social media, people that want to create whatever. Um, I, I think this thing has just amazing potential. So anyway. Yeah. I mean, I'm in the, like, I'm in the stage where I found, I found I like to make things that spark joy. I, I like that thought, right? Yeah. And and I found myself using my thing just for fun. And that that's hard to do, right? Right, right. And and I'm in the stage where like after I launched this, I pushed it for a while, like, hey, look at this, look at this. But um I'm at the stage where I wanna make things that are enjoyable and I want people to experience them for me to be able to keep maintaining them and upgrading them right sure because if they're not used it's like hard to to keep them updated you know and yep. but as, still it's the thing the other thing is that 
I also sort of like it because I keep building more features. And the thing is that everything I do end, ends up being interconnected because that's the nature of this thing. Yeah. Where like, for example, you know, like the mod, like we, let's talk about mod in a bit, right? But the mod sure. thing, right? We need to find a chain to deploy it on and it has to be like really low gas or whatever. We could make an Arbitrum orbit with Strudel Bitcoin and deploy the thing there. Right. And have a Bitcoin transaction chain where this share state lives. And we made all of it, <laughs> which is That's cool. awesome. Yeah, look, I mean, I could even just see as an experiment deploying this on uh, as, a, as an interface to, to, um, to Lens to create an adventure game, right? Yeah. You know, and, and just let people go to town on it and then tell the developers, hey, you know, here it is. Um, you know, let's build this. Yeah, well, one of, one of the things I wanted to do actually was to, because we did have, I do have like a made, uh, wait, one of the things I made was that you can actually, wait, let me just make it fail. Sorry for the loud noise. I should have told you. Actually, Here. we're not hearing. I don't think we're getting your computer audio. Oh, that's that's great because it was really loud. So I I, have, I made these things. So oh yeah, I forgot of, about those. Yeah, out of like your adventure, you have a report from the guy, right? So it's fairly easy to integrate this to Lens and have them be like collectible posts. Yeah. Um, and and I think I think it's very. I think it's one of the things that I, I would really like to do. Uh, and it's very simple. But my, at that point, I started to sort of think, all right, how do we make this multiplayer for real? Like, uh, and I, and, and this comes down also to like the larger NFT space, which is like, you look around and it's all homegrown IPs making products for their own IPs. Right. Right. And it's like the board Ape Club Yacht Club just released another game for board Ape Yacht Club holders that only board Ape Yacht Club people can play. Right. So it's like, okay, what's your total addressable market for this stuff? Like for real. Um but what if we thought of like outwards where like all right, the board Ape Yacht Club is participating in the upper open metaverse initiative right. along with everyone else. And yeah, you're going to be the biggest guy, but you're also going to get way more users because now everyone can come and admire your shit. Exactly. Sorry, exactly. Yeah, I mean, look, I think you could just start it off simply as, um, I mean, I could imagine like uh, this being a, uh, a a lens integration where the way people access it is through this and it's just this ongoing adventure, right? That that's That's happening and evolving and people are interacting with it. And it's not the normal like, Hey, I'm treating lens as social media. It's a, I'm treating lens as, as story, as entertainment. Right. And I think that could be really interesting. Now, the other interesting thing here is, is that there's a, there's also the potential to connect this to the other project you're working on. Um, because you're essentially creating a project, um, that allows people to combine their knowledge or information they find into a community or group brain. Right. Right which I could really see tying into the universe project as well. Yeah. Let me just show you this one uh, sure. real quick. This is an example of, of what you, you were just talking about 
which is like collective storytelling. Yeah. So this is my cousin who has one of these. So he has this cool guy. And this is a new version nice. with the new Mid Journey. Yep. And this is how it looks in the interface. Nice. And the thing is that his output, uh, and he then used the, the prompts to generate like a mission. Nice. We need to send a team of skilled operatives to assist us in infiltrating the facility and stopping Dr. Chaos and his team from selling the weapon. The weapon. Nice. So uh, he made, uh, I made sure that they were with a team. So they added more characters to the story. So it includes Dr. Nova, Lady Viper, and the Shadow, but we could use some more backup. We also need to determine the location and make sure we're not being tracked by Dr. Kills and team. And this is a picture generated with that. And then I chimed in with my superhero, <laughs> Captain Ruby Robot. I'm like, I put in his prompt in my interface. So I'm like, respond to this. And, and it came out with this idea. That's uh, awesome. Where is Dr. Chaos? And this is my image. And then he made the location and an image. And then there's more to it. Then there's another character I have. I decided to use another character. So this one is in space, intercepting Dr. Chaos because he's escaping. <clears throat> so he's calling to Synthway and Mummy because he's attempted to escape. And then they we made ships. So this is a ship for Captain Insectoid Priest. And I'm in combat. And then, then, then the other guy decided he was a villain. So he came and helped Dr. Chaos. <laughs> that's awesome. So it, it all. I love like, it. Yeah. And that's exactly the kind of thing I'm talking about. I could just, I, I love the fact that, I mean, certainly you could just have AI running rampant, but that would get a little boring. Uh, um, but the fact that the human beings can be in there guiding the AI to the story is kind of, to me, the ideal scenario. So you get all this rich interaction, you get all this rich graphics, you know, you could put all kinds of other things around it. Um, you could put like a voice channel in there so players can talk to each other, right. with, you know, WebRTC or whatever. <laughs> but to me, the fact that this thing can auto-generate, allow the user to guide and, and tell the things they want to see happen in the story. Um, it, just the potential for kind of a gaming platform and a social platform, a community platform to me is, is really tremendous. Hey, Brad, uh, hey guys, I want to jump in real quick. Brad, can you take this um, and strap it on the front end of say like, you know, dead projects like say Kazuna NFT or Chainbinders? Or, oh yeah, you and can have it then generate have it generate content going forward. I mean, this is, Absolutely. you know, if you have all of that content and accessories and everything in both yep. of those gaming platforms, you could just run this thing out huge um, so from what's there actually, already. That's pretty cool. We actually talked about like reviving dead projects that people still have and would love to have gotten some value from making this into an experience um, around what those original NFTs are, Joe. That's a great idea. Yeah, you should hook them up. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, buddy. There's sprays with really bad art, especially with stuff like Ordinal, Ordinals, where you have, that's actually a really good idea I just had. That's for free. Take that. <laughs> uh, uh, we give them away all the time, so. <laughs> Ordinals cannot store that much data. Right. They have a limit. And you can just take that those pictures, those shitty pictures, and create, like, really great pictures with that using the Ordinal data as structure prompts oh that's interesting 
Yeah. That's really well because it's all JSON files, right? So you can so, just yeah, yeah you that's... can just read that. You can take the, the the actual picture, take a description of it, and just make it however you want. And you you can prove you own the prompt. That's really cool. I love that. That's a great idea, dude. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot of hype right now. Uh, and you've got another BTC product, so you know. Yeah, I have to, I have too many products right now. I need some I need, I need some help. If you know any any web free developers out there, I'm 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 more than happy. Absolutely. Uh, I I gotta I like I said I told you before. Um, I I think this is a fundable product project, right? If you turn yeah. this into a platform that others can utilize for whatever world they're in, gaming, social, community, NFTs, whatever. Um, and then um, other developers can actually build from this and make their own community and world. Uh, I, I think it's a tremendous platform. And, yeah. and, you know, you get the hype of NFTs, you get the hype of everything else, but then you get the real hype of AI integrated. Mm -hmm. And, and to me, that's. Um, and I, really I think that's a big thing people are missing where like right now, everyone in the AI space is sort of like trying to figure out how to monetize their products and like their ideas they're having. There's some really useful things, but there's some things that don't really scale that well. Where it's like if you have a million users running a hundred queries per per feature, per call, it's like you're going to get wrecked real quick. But like with NFTs, you can sort of decide, for example, AI universe can have as many like AI prompts as you want because there's only ten thousand users. So like, right. I'm going to have what a hundred users using the thing at most. Right. Yeah. So I can actually pay that with what you get from the sale and I can pay that like indefinitely for that amount of people. Yeah. Yeah. So makes sense. Like, makes sense for me. It makes sense for others. And if it gets like, it's, it accrues value, I can sell more and fund more like features, but it doesn't right. have to be, a, it's not, it's no longer, this is not a product of scale. Right. And that's the thing that every software that's ever been successful, like so far has been a product of scale. Yep. But we're about to enter this world where you have custom software and like you own your interfaces. Yep. You own your experiences. Well, yeah. And, and you can alter it and, and, and customize it on the fly with AI as well. Right. You could theoretically really th release this platform with a front end like GPT engineer that'll actually integrate it and build out what you want it to be um, with new features, whatever, and have it evolve. Yeah. So you can I have mean, a whole community around that. There's a lot of front, like that's, a, that's actually a, a, a really important point because like there is, we're going to come into this paradigm of like just in time interfaces where it's like you are like making a spaceship for your specific use cases in this browsing session. Like, yep. You want to use social media? Here's the lens features and all the plugins, and all, all your feeds are aggregated the way just the way you like. Yeah. You you actually like have presets for like everything, and it like builds out to like the entire experience. And and the thing is that it's it's going like people aren't aware that we're going to see screens as a thing of the past. In, yep five years i tweet that all the time it, look ai will eliminate the need for for apps for tasks and for ui yeah but, i was like i was like playing counter-strike the other day like looking at the screen moving the mouse and stuff i had this realization that this is going to be like old-timey stuff like using a typewriter yep like 
kids are going to like actually yeah the cool thing about this though is kind of the predecessor to what will be the immersive experiences right so why would i bother with an old-fashioned window or browser window right when most of the information i can get i can get back via voice or some kind of display and some kind of matrixy looking thing but if i wanted to actually interact with other humans and interact with the ui in a different way these kinds of immersive experiences, I think is what people are going to want, you know, and you're, yeah. and look, we're seeing the the VR and the AR tech accelerate. So it's cool. Hey, I don't want to run out of time here. I really want to get to your group brain thing. Oh yeah. Um, so uh, just quickly, let's touch on that uh, and talk about it. And then we can have you back after I, after I bug you to keep evolving this <laughs> and releasing sure. it as a platform. So this is what I'm currently working on. Uh, and this is an open source build. So like, this is called Quiver. And the Quiver guys made this really cool platform where you can basically just feed this thing anything. Like pictures, video, like it will crawl a website, it will read your PDFs, it will get your anything. Anything that you can think of, these guys have made like a feature for it. And they are like, they open sourced it. And they realized that, okay, we're going to host our own. They're, you can subscribe to Quiver and, like, be a part of the, the, the brain they're, like, creating. Uh, or you can have your own private brain. And the thing is that, for example, ChatGPT is going, going to come out with this feature in-house soon. Yeah. So you're going to be able to upload your things and stuff. But what I'm working on is making this um, multiplayer. I like multiplayer things. So I made this Web3. So this is going to check if you own an NFT. So if you own an NFT, you can just sign in with a magic link and you can use that and it will just log you in. And then, well, let's use that, whatever. Um, So let me summarize for everybody real quickly. The idea behind this is if you've used Obsidian or you've used other... um, kind of freeform data tools is that um, this takes that and puts it to another level because now you can feed this anything, like you said, PDFs, videos, text, images, whatever. And you've got this, not only a storage mechanism with recall, but now you have a trained AI interface to the data that you fed to it. So you're able to now keep track of every aspect of your life or a given specific vertical topic and um, be able to feed it into this thing and utilizing ChatGPT or other LLMs as an engine to process and give you the information. And so the really interesting thing that Carlos is doing now is saying, well, let's take this into groups and let people build a brain for the group, right? So one of the things we're talking about doing is for Mission DeFi and DeFi Lunch and our little community is building a brain around DeFi concepts and our shows, right? So you can Mm -hmm. feed it our transcripts, you can feed it the videos, you can feed other websites, PDFs, white papers, whatever into the system. And now it's not only storing that data for recall, but it's actually learning from that data so that when we have ideas or questions or concepts that we want to explore or test out, um, we're going to get a much richer feedback and, and interaction and, and knowledge base than we would um, just storing shit in a forum or a telegram group. Right. And and this actually goes back to the first, one of the first things we touched on, which is like, 
how do we collectivize our knowledge so that we can sort of like bear with all the information that's coming towards us, right? And my thesis is that the solution to that is to like have community brains where every community has their own like NFT identity that allows you to participate in the decision-making process as to watch what goes in the brain. Because once you like, the thing about AI context is that you can also have bad context for AI. Right. right. And it's all, it's a lot like teaching a child, right? You can confuse the thing to the point where it's not useful. And actually, if you notice ChatGPT4 has been getting worse, it's probably because it's been getting bad training data. Right. So its performance is going down. And the yeah. thing is that you sort of, in, in AI, you have a thing called dimension returns, where, which at some point you, you stop getting the same gains from the same sort of data. And if you optimize for one task or you optimize for all tasks, then you sort of like miss on the opportunity to, to be optimized for a specific task like right. in particular. So right. my thesis is that in the future, you're going to have a lot of special contexts that allow the AI to perform well in specific tasks. And then you have another layer that sort of like orchestrates those contexts. Interfacing to all of those contexts. Yeah. yeah. And also like chain of like, like usually when I use AI, it's like a chain of thoughts where yeah. it's like I'm giving you a prompt, then you're giving me back something, then I return in that data. But what if before you return me the data, you go and ask someone else, like another AI and another AI, and you can do like more interesting things like charge per query. Where That's what I was about to say, right? So you could create a brain that has a specialized set of knowledge and information that has performed well in the past for other people. There's some kind of rating system. And now you can charge for access to that brain. Right, right. And yeah. you, can, you can decide whether, for example, the NFT ownership of your brain lets you chat with it and call with, like from other things and sort of like enables this whole interoperability layer. But first we have to sort of prove that like you can make a brain that's like like this, like a community yeah. brain. Because there's I don't think that the process is down to like let's just put anything into it. Right. But it's down to like designing like, okay, what what are these brains' interests? Like yeah. what what are you what do you like? And what are you good at? Like, do you know everything about video games, everything right. about EFI or NFTs? Like, it's not the same thing, right? Right. It, it could be something as, as simple as a genre of movies. It could be a particular blockchain. It could be a particular type of application. It could be animals, pets, whatever. I mean, right. that's that's actually a, a really interesting thing because we talked about when, when AI started first blowing up, we talked about kind of the next phase of kind of roles or careers or gigs in that space. And that was prompt engineering and fine tuning. But now what we're really talking about, and, and I think this makes a ton of sense, Carlos, is that now people are going to be building these specialized knowledges, not brains, knowledge bases, whatever you want to call them, that are chat GPT or, or LLM uh, integrated so that users can call upon them when they need them. But they can also have a, their own kind of personal um, LLM or, or chat interface that actually knows, oh yeah, Brad wants really good information on this lending protocol. 
I know that this brain over here usually gives really great analysis about that. So I'm going to go pull that information from it. And then the user doesn't have to interact with 12 different brains. There's a, there's a layer that does that. That that's a really compelling narrative. And I actually think it's a really compelling path for people who already have specialization, right? I mean, we talk all the time about, we talk all the time about um, in business, if you're starting creating content or you're starting in a business, you want to niche down, you want to narrow yourself down so that you have a set of core things that are of value to a core set of customers. Mm -hmm. This is very similar to that, right? We're basically saying, take all this specialized knowledge you've spent all your life building up, create, create a, create a brain around that. And then, you know, you could potentially give it away or you could charge people to access it. Right. right. And so I, you're I contributing more than that is like, Brains are going to represent you as much as anything else. Nice. As like, okay, like when, for example, when I join, when, when someone texts me on Telegram, I look at his groups and see if we have groups in common. Yeah, me too. Me right? too. Yep. So what if you, you got an email from somewhere and you have brains in common with that person? Like yep. you're like your brain in DeFi. Yeah. So it's like, I feel like, like these things are going to be like an extension of communities where they give, give a lot of them a lot of meaning because there's a lot of like value being created in a lot of very specialized communities. And there's a lot of really good value. For example, YouTube has been great in, in representing that in stuff like, for example, I like to, to watch like obscure stuff like speedrun history videos. Right. And there's a guy who like Wait, there's a there's a there's a group that does speed running history videos. No, I mean there's for example, I <laughs> there was this game in 2003 something called The Hobbit, which was about the book The Hobbit, right? And it was actually way better than Gollum, right? Just okay. to start. But the thing is that there ended up being a, a dedicated Discord community around that game, like that was speed running the thing for years and then this guy comes and like makes a video of it like just timeline like a historian would and then it gets like a bunch of hits on youtube and now that community has a bunch of more people playing nice so it keeps that thing going like right. what if you could have like an ai that basically knows everything about speed running a specific game and right. if it's like super super niche like those things can like be interesting and, and worthwhile and like your participation to that is represented like more way more meaningfully sure well it's gonna be interesting too because i can see that getting dynamic right so maybe there's maybe there's five people that have created uh brains around specific types or genres of games and then you have your layer but there's another layer that specializes in all kinds of games and it's actually pulling data from those brains, right? right? So I can I can see this getting really interesting. That's fascinating because that's the only way to like secure. Because right now you're have you're seeing like ChatGPT like red like go to a point where it's like the next big thing, right? And suddenly, like I see a lot of chatter online where it's like, oh, this sucks. Like, what happened? Did we get a cut? This shiny new thing syndrome over? And the thing is. I think that for for it to really represent the knowledge, like it can really represent well, like a generalist knowledge, like yeah. what everyone should know, right? Yeah. But if you happen to know something in your field, like you can confidently go to town and chat GPT and tell him he doesn't know shit, right? 
Yeah. Like, this is my thing, ChatGPT. You don't know stuff. You don't know anything before 20, and this is not online, so screw you. Right. Uh, and the thing is that to, in order to represent that as in a response from a language model, you can't do that, but you have to have subdomains of knowledge. Exactly. Because when you think about something, you're not thinking of everything all the time, right? Every right. domain of knowledge that you possess, it's not like coming on every time. You just like have this superficial attention thing, which is why ChatGPT also works because it has attention that can specify which domain of knowledge you want. But if you have, if you split that into sub processes, and and this is sort of like this is just applying like fine tuning and problem engineering at a scale to improve like what's what's it doing because like that's all it, that's all these things do like yeah you have a base model and and it's only as good as you can get it to be but then there's some ceiling and then you have to figure out like a better way to do it right i i mean i can think about this this way right so we go to general practitioners for medical care right and they mm -hmm. they try to know as much as they can but ultimately the general practitioner is going to send you off to a specialist their right. job is know who to call. Yeah. Yeah. But if, if you had like this model where researchers and um, specialists in particular types of cancer or muscle ailments or injuries or types of surgeries were all building up their knowledge bases and they become a gateway to that, there's some charging mechanism in the healthcare system that lets almost also not, not just patients, but actually allows general practitioners to bring in all the symptoms. And then those engines get queried based on those specialized areas of knowledge that allows that general practitioner to make decisions or consult with specialists without the patient having to go see every specialist, right? Right. Now you've taken these general practitioners and turned them into super doctors who can interact virtually with these other doctors and have the knowledge in, in these brains. Right. And you can even, you can even abstract it way more like, and this is actually specifically what I was like thinking of in my, in my career, which is you have this notion of system-based healthcare, like, and it's called precision medicine, right? Okay. Where you can have, you can be a, like most people go to the doctor way too late. And this is right, because right. first they have to get symptoms. Then yep. they have to get symptoms so bad that they feel they can do anything about it. <laughs> exactly. And then they go to the doctor and by then it's like way too late. Right. Yep. Yep. And, and there's like a lot of sub subtlety that goes on before that, that we can actually measure, but we're just not capturing. And yep. for example, you're wearing an iWatch probably. Are you wearing an iWatch? No, I'm not, but oh, okay. go ahead. Statistics failed me, but a lot of no, it's all right. I'm just not an Apple Watch. I'm not a watch <laughs> guy. I don't like wearing a watch. So okay, cool, cool. But a lot of people are wearing like watches now. Yeah, they're, they're more and more sophisticated. Um, but that data is sort of like being lost in the noise because right. you're like you make it, you store it, no one reads it, and then it's like, oh, my camera went off. I was I was connected to my phone. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> but anyways, um, you lose it, right? Right. But what if you could put that data on chain anonymously, right? Of course. Right. So, I mean, first you hash it, you make it super private, you put it on chain. Then you, on the other side, you have a, a model that's like aware of every data point in the entire system, not only for you, but for the entire community. So that if there's an earthquake, 
they know specifically which people have a heart rate more than 200 and they know where to go because nice. they, they like they are pinged like their position is pinged so if there there's an emergency is revealed to the emergency services so they immediately go there and they know who to call if they die they know they, they've died and and the whole thing is orchestrated by this like data layer where you have 10 ambulances where do they go like right right now people have to decide those things and yep. and that's like like just knowing how many like how many supplies have you got how many beds can you treat like tomorrow right like all those things are data problems that if they were solved earlier you would solve like you would save so much money and so much lives yep like imagine it's i amazing. said that the other way around but anyways now i know exactly <laughs> what you mean. that that's fantastic yeah listen, listen man i gotta do this again with you but i gotta wrap it up but um this is fantastic i i love the stuff you're doing um anybody that's listening if you're a dev you want to join the community um, you can connect with Carlos on Twitter at AT0X underscore ETH, uh, yep. AT0X underscore ETH. Um, you can also connect on Twitter at The Nerd Labs, The Nerd Labs. Um, and uh, I guess those are two great ways. I would encourage everyone that connects with him, go check out um, the Telegram channel he has. Um, lots of people who are kind of passionate about what he's doing and and these ideas and concepts are brainstorming together that's the people that he was talking about um that started off together pre-strudel their their bitcoin project if you think you've got a use for one of these projects um i would encourage you to reach out to him because um i i really want to see these things uh grow and be available for use because i think there's just a ton of potential with everything you're experimenting with carlos thanks brad i, I really enjoyed this call uh let's do it again soon Absolutely, man. I'll, we'll we'll keep up every uh, every couple of months and see how things are going. Cool deal. All right. Thanks, buddy. Have a good one. All right, you too. See ya. All right, hey everybody. If you're um, listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please rate and review, and make sure you're subscribed. Um, if you're on YouTube, please make sure you click uh, the subscribe button, the little bell, so you get alerted about new episodes. And uh, please smash the thumbs up uh, to help us have a boost in the algorithm. Um, I love all this cool shit with AIs and NFTs and the merging of those worlds. And uh, I think Carlos is doing some really cool shit. Uh, finally, t.me forward slash mission DeFi. t.me forward slash mission DeFi is our community. I hope you'll join us. Um, we have all kinds of big brained and little brained people in there discussing all kinds of cool topics around DeFi, NFTs, technology, uh, macro markets, trading. I mean, just about anything you can imagine we've got going on over there. So I hope you'll uh, join us. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, Shizzy and Midas, for joining in the conversation. We appreciate all of you and we love you. Joe, I hope you have a, a great weekend. We'll see you guys back on Monday. Thank you very much. Take care, everybody.